Pretty strong contrast, isn't it? There are two types of righteousness. One is the righteousness that is boasting in self and looking at the works of self. That one will fail. The other is a righteousness which boasts in the gift and the grace of God and boasts in Jesus. That one cannot fail. That's the one which is ours. The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with rock solid hope in Rim Country. March 8, 2020. Romans 4 Selected Verses. There's a movie that came out several years ago that was about a, a young man who had a very wealthy grandfather. And being one of the only heirs, when his grandfather died, he knew that he stood to receive on his lap the whole amount of this vast, enormous wealth which his grandfather had. So as the film goes, he shows up to hear the news about what he's going to receive for his inheritance. Only he finds out that his grandfather thought he was spoiled, rotten, and didn't really deserve any of this inheritance. So as he's listening to this, he finds there's a catch. In order to receive the inheritance, he has to go through a set of loopholes and tasks which he has to accomplish so that he can be counted as worthy to receive the inheritance. As the film goes on, you see this boy, this man from the country who's used to never lifting a finger a day in his life, now going out into the country and doing hard manual labor. And you see him almost wondering if it's even worth it, if he should go on. Meanwhile, the viewers are looking at it and thinking, that's easy money. What about our inheritance with our God? Does God do this sort of a thing? Set requirements and standards that must be met in order to receive the promised inheritance? This morning we see our answers. We look at, once again, another strong contrast in Scripture. We turn once again to the epistles of Paul in Romans chapter 4. And there we see the strong contrast between two types of righteousness, one which is received by works and the other which is received by faith. Certainly there are a lot of people, you could say, in this world that do a lot of good works, right? You know, the, the doctors that, that help people and the people that, though they may not have many personal means, give of their time, of their energy to serve other people so selflessly when you look at such people and you see those who do those incredibly great deeds, you might say to yourself, there's someone that God really should bless. And many people, including the Jews in Paul's day, say those who work hard and who help others, God ought to bless them with a reward. That was the kind of thinking found in Paul's day and is still found by many today. Or maybe you, you, you fear the opposite sometimes. You begin to wonder, even some do on their brink of death. Have I done enough good that I could receive a blessing from my God? Well, if there's anyone that had been promised blessing from God and who had done many good things, it was the one that Paul writes about here in Romans 4, Abraham. So he has us consider the life of Abraham. 
After all, Abraham was someone who had done many good deeds and had great blessings from God. We just read of that earlier, right? Abraham says, or God says to Abraham, I will bless you, I'll make you great, I'll make your offspring great, and through you all people will be blessed. Talk about a rich blessing inheritance from God. And for the Jewish people, talk about a root for your family tree. Many writings, even outside of sacred scripture, describe Abraham as the most righteous man who ever lived. After all, don't we see Abraham leaving his homeland? We see Abraham even giving up all of his possessions and risking all he has to free a couple people from captivity and prison. Abraham is selfless. Abraham is helping others. We see Abraham even loves God so much he's willing to give his only son through his wife Sarah. And Abraham is even called in Scripture a friend of God. Even to this day, many descendants of Abraham will say, because we're descended from Abraham, God has sharpened our senses so that we are the people of prophecy. But if one is going to look at Abraham, his great deeds, one needs to consider what Paul says here. What shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Abraham certainly, outwardly, was very good in many respects. and He could boast about that, but not before God. Abraham, like all of us, are silent before God when it comes to our boasting. That's what Paul has spent the whole letter to the Romans up to at this point explaining, that nobody can stand before God, the judge of all, and claim that they deserve something from him, unless it be that they deserve God's just wrath on sin. Abraham had to be silent before God, and so would we, if we were to rely on boasting on our deeds. What does it say? What does Scripture say, Paul says? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That is, not by doing something, but by trusting in the promise given to him. Abraham receives the credit of righteousness from God. And notice, this is actually a promise given before Abraham leaves his homeland, before Abraham selflessly rescues others, before Abraham offers up his son. First is the promise. First is Abraham trusting that promise. And Abraham standing already righteous through faith. Before he does any of the things he's so often credited for as doing good and deserving righteousness. The promise Paul gives an illustration for us here. To the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but an obligation. There are those who work 40, 50, 60 hour work weeks. Could you imagine showing up at the end of the work week or the pay period and saying to the employer, all right, um, I worked hard this week. I have my paycheck and they give the paycheck to say, thanks for the gift. Everyone expects the paycheck. It's an obligation. In fact, if you don't view it as a gift, you might be insulted that you put in all that hard work. So it is with righteousness, 
There are those that think they can come before God and haggle with him the price and the, the payment that they deserve. And they can come before him and say, God, where is my payment? But in the end, everyone has to stand silent before God and cannot boast because not only, not only do we find that our good works are failing, but every deed is tainted by sin. and bears the mark of a sinner. And the good works cannot cover that sin, which does have a wage, a price. Scripture say is death. But here's our hope. However, for the one who does not work, but trust God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. We don't come before our God bargaining or haggling the price. We come before God, as it says here, as the ungodly, trusting in the promise of the one who justifies the ungodly. Justify is the term of a judge in the courtroom scene, declaring the one who is guilty, saying, you are innocent. God not only declared Abraham righteous through faith, but to all who trust in him. You are justified, declared innocent by God through faith. Now at this point, some might say, well then, isn't faith that, that thing that I do, that, that one work which puts me above others? Once again, don't misunderstand. Scripture makes clear, not by work. Even faith is something that we cannot work out in ourselves. Faith is something that we cannot acquire unless God gives us his promise, calls us by his spirit, and makes us his own through faith. Faith, too, is a gift of God. Paul says very clearly, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace may be guaranteed to all Abram's offspring. This promise given to Abraham, which we read earlier, was the promise that through one born of Abraham, all nations would be blessed. It's a promise. God doesn't say to Abram or to Jacob, his son, and to the people of Israel from Jacob, he doesn't say, if you keep my laws, then you will have the promise. No, it's a, a promise. And despite their sin, God kept his promise. Despite Israel's ungodliness and turning aside, God kept that promise. And as we read earlier, sent his son into the world. There's Jesus, the only righteous one. The only one who can say he deserves a payment of the inheritance of the eternal life. Jesus, the son of God, is the fulfillment of of that promise which we read earlier, through the offspring of Abraham, all nations would be blessed. And what Jesus said earlier in John 4, salvation is from the Jews because Jesus is born just as promised, son of Abraham. And through that promise, all of us have what Paul calls here that gift which comes by faith. You never need to worry. You never need to doubt. You never need to wonder, am I going to receive this inheritance? Will I arrive in God's courtroom and I'll find that the stipulations put before me, which I must do manual labor and, and work out in order to earn my keep, will this inheritance be something I have to really prove I'm worthy of? The promise. It says here, it's guaranteed. God made the promise. God will not back down on the promise. And as sure as Jesus, the Son of God, rose to life after paying for our sins, 
And as sure as he lives, that promise is your guarantee. Paul says here, so so succinctly, he, Abraham, is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. It's not that we belong to Abraham through physical descendants, but through the promise of faith that we too are children of Abraham. And Abraham, our, our father through faith, is not going to put stipulations because none were given to him. It's a promise received through faith. Pretty strong contrast, isn't it? There are two types of righteousness. One is the righteousness that is boasting in self and looking at the works of self. That one will fail. The other is a righteousness which boasts in the gift and the grace of God and boast in Jesus. That one cannot fail. That's the one which is ours. And don't misunderstand. Next week we'll be looking at another contrast as we look at darkness and light. God has not given us this free gift so that we can squander it or so that we can live in darkness. We'll look at that next week in our series. But like Abraham, we live a life of thanksgiving as those who have received the promised gift from God, an inheritance in heaven that will never perish or spoil or fade is ours. So with that strong contrast in mind, we know that like Abraham, it is ours. Abraham who believed in God, the God who calls into being things that are not and gives life to the dead. Amen. Amen.